disappointing loss for the Phoenix Suns. They've now lost two in a row and are one and two without Chris Paul present in their starting lineup. It's a close game. It was a well-fought game. Ultimately, it came down to a turnover at the end. Phoenix Suns ends up losing the game by a total of four points. So, Matthew, as I bring you in to this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast, uh, how are you feeling? And where, where's, where's your background? <laughs> no background today. I'm feeling I'm feeling okay, though. Um, but no background today because my hat, actually, my new one I got. Oh, yeah. It picks up the background on the uh, the green screen. I just wanted to wear it. So no uh, no photos tonight. You just get to see the beautiful background where it looks like I'm in Afghanistan or something right now. So. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, you know, this is a reminder to anybody who's watching. You know, if you want to submit a background picture that Matthew will display behind him, please do so by stopping by our, our uh, Twitter page, at Suns Jam, and sliding into our DMs or even just tagging us on Twitter. Uh, we'll go ahead and throw it on there, but not today because Matthew's got that fly new hat and he wants to show it off for all the Jamsters to see. So uh, definitely a lot to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. Again, you know, the Phoenix Suns play the Utah Jazz, a 1.30 start out here in the desert, a little odd. And, you know, I was actually on the Solar Panel podcast yesterday and I predicted this one to be a loss. So I, I will say that I was not surprised uh, Matthew, were you surprised that the Phoenix Suns lost this game? No, I wasn't. Um, I just think it's more difficult than what people think. You take out Chris Paul, who was an MVP candidate, it just shows it now, right? Uh, I think Steve Nash, what did he miss? Like seven games in a row, and they went over seven that year. He yeah. won the MVP. So, of course, it's not like a thing where Chris Paul could still win the MVP because he will miss a lot of time. It just shows like how valuable he is from rebounding to <laughs> defense to everything the Suns playmaking has to do to win. So it, it's the little things out there that you miss from them. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, it's, it's definitely frustrating just because, you know, they, they had a chance in this game to mm -hmm. really, to win it. And I think that, you know, some, some mental errors, again, the not having Chris Paul is where you really start to notice those little mental errors and things of that nature come to fruition. And, you know, truthfully, this is a, I mean, the Suns took him down to the wire. We're without our, our MVP candidate, if you will, in Chris Paul. And we still only lost by four. So yeah. there's definitely some things to to analyze in this game and go, okay, you know, we're, we're doing this well. There's there's definitely a lot to be uh, happy about, I guess. I want to say happy, but just like, like okay, good. Uh, but there's definitely a lot that needs to improve, especially knowing that we're going to be without Chris Paul for a prolonged period of time. There's definitely some things over these last couple of games and trends that we've noticed that we're like, okay, these things need to change. So we're going to get into all that on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. If you've decided to join us post-game, we appreciate you. If you're watching along live, please subscribe, rate, and review, and hit that thumbs up button here on YouTube. And even if you're watching this show a little bit later, if you're watching, if you're absorbing this loss and you're pissed off and you threw your phone and when uh, Jay Crowder threw that ball out of bounds with two seconds left and <laughs> Now you or, he, or he broke your phone from throwing yeah. that ball out of bounds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were sitting in those yeah, yeah, first the third, third row and the ball hit your phone and you dropped it and you broke it. Now you're down <laughs> AT&T and you're getting a new phone. And when you finally get a chance to watch this podcast, <laughs> please hit the thumbs up button as well. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review and leave us uh, some of those good comments. We always appreciate those. So, Matthew, I'm going to be drinking a mini Dr. Pepper today. Cute. The adorbs. So this, this is what I'm going to do. I got a Diet Coke. So. You know, I I saved my Arnold Palmer from Perfect Pair. We went to lunch today at Perfect Pair down in yeah. uh, Chandler, and I saved it. And I went to the room to go watch the game. I come out, and my wife drank it. I was like, God oh, damn. no, dude. <laughs> I was really looking forward to that, to that Arnold That's Palmer. Some, I hate that, man. At mm. least she just didn't throw it away like she always does. Yeah. Throw I mean, stuff might, away. Might as well. So pop them if you got them, Suns fans. I know you might need some therapy. <laughs> on this session, uh, a phone a loss, but let's talk about this game against the Jazz. The Suns jams. So the Phoenix Suns, again, play against the Utah Jazz, lose by a final score of 118 to 114 in this one. And that brings me to my first question of the podcast. Matthew, I got to ask. 
Matthew, I gotta ask if everything were to end today, and by everything I mean the season, not the world. Uh, the Phoenix Suns <laughs> would have the one seed. The Utah Jazz would have the four seed, and this could potentially be a preview of the second round matchup in the Western Conference playoffs. What do you think of that matchup? It'd be fun. Um, the thing is, I feel like we've been giving Utah a lot of crap lately about the whole Gold Bear and uh, Donovan Mitchell stuff that you always hear about. Something always leaks, I feel like, every week between those two, like something going on in the locker room, some friction mm-hmm. between the two. Um, but now that I see them you know, in this game, they look like they're playing pretty well together. Um, it doesn't seem like they have any issues. So if they're a team right now that's getting hot, which is the right time to start getting hot, It'll be it'll be tough, but my favorite thing really is when I we play the jot when we play the jazz is uh Aiden usually can have a good time against Gobert and he did tonight, but then also he usually kind of plays them out of the game. I feel like are the Suns as a team usually can they play they can play Gobert out of the game and if they can get back to that, I'm not too worried mm-hmm. about playing this team in the playoffs. No, I, I agree, and I think that you know playoff basketball is such a different beast because you really start to fine tune in on the opposition's weaknesses and try to exploit them. You know, in a one game scenario in which we saw today. The Phoenix Suns aren't going to sit there and throw all of these different variations and uh, attempts, if you will, at trying to get Gobert out of the game. Um, That being said, I think it'll be a hard-fought series if and when that does occur. And the Utah Jazz are one of those kind of, you know, I I said it again. I'll I'll reference what I said on the Solar Panel podcast because I wasn't here for show 300. Uh, Welcome to show 301, everybody. We can't get this 50th win, goddammit. Let's get there already. Jesus. Um, (laughs) You know, it's like, shit, we're stuck on 49. Um, But, you know, one of the things that I said is this is a professional team, the Utah Jazz. This is a team that has been together for a long time. They know who they are. They're very locked into their identities. And they do the things that the Phoenix Suns do well is understand their role, Jabronis. They can they they accept who they are and they play their roles well. You saw that tonight with Jordan Clarkson, who went. 10 for 17 from the field, had 20 points for the Utah Jazz. And it's because he knows who he is, what his role is, and when he should navigate and when he should uh, show up and show out for the Utah Jazz. So in a seven-game series, I'm not overly worried about the Utah Jazz. But at the same time, like you have to respect this team. And, and they showed us today kind of the reasons why, if you will. They're, they're a deep team. They're a team that uh, can definitely utilize their uh, – their size on the interior and you know when JaVale McGee isn't playing well to back up DeAndre Ayton then guess what they're gonna consistently out rebound you which is something that they did this evening they had what 41 total rebounds they had 14 on the offensive end the Phoenix Suns had 36 total rebounds and only 10 on the offensive end what do you and see that- the rebounds at the 30 30- I see 44 and 58 what is the 40, Am I, looking at the I don't know. I'm looking at NBA.com's final box oh, okay. star total. Okay. So total rebounds 41 for the Jazz, 14 oh. offensive. And I see 20, 36 for the Suns with 10 being on the offensive board. And again, I think the challenge there is the, the challenge we've kind of seen over these past couple games where when the opposition has size, we aren't executing on the rebounding sets. Why is that? Because we have the rebounders. Yeah. Why? Why? And and Kenneth Payne, he says it too. Why no Biombo? Like, what's going on, man? <laughs> yeah, all good questions, right? Uh, the rebounding, I, I'm lost with that one because I want to say it's is it Chris Paul? Is it the accountability that Chris Paul <laughs> has on these be. players? What then? What is it? Because it doesn't make any sense where rebounding becomes such an such an issue all of a sudden when Chris Paul's gone, like. We've never had this. This just reminds you of like the old sons. I can never get aboard. That's when they what need it to felt stop, like today, they can't man. Get the stop. They can never get the stop in these last few games. It's very difficult for them. Even like tip balls, anything that's on the ground to scramble for, like they're not coming up with those balls. They usually do. They're usually the team like the Utah Jazz that are confident in themselves. They know who they are. And of course, you take Chris Paul out, and you know it's going to take this team a few games maybe to get into rhythm. But the rebounding thing is still. I don't know. And I know it's Gobert. I know he's a big body down there. He can grab the boards, offensive boards. But it's never been this much of a pain in the ass to the Suns. I just, I think it's Chris Paul and the accountability of him being on the floor. And I think it's, I think it's um, Aiden and Mikhail Bridges celebrating (laughs) pregame last game. I'm just joking. But did you see the thing where they were like dancing around and singing on the mop thing? It's like stuff, that's stuff that the Suns don't do when Chris Paul's on the floor. So 
I think it's Chris Paul's fault. Okay, clearly. Well, I'll give it to, you know, one, I'll chalk it up to technique for Hassan Whiteside. Because Rudy Gobert, I mean, he leads the league in rebounding. So I, I'm not going to harp too much on the fact that we got a out-rebounded by Rudy Gobert. You know, again, he ended tonight with a total of how many rebounds? Let's see, Rudy Gobert, 14. He had 16 points and 14 boards, uh, seven on the offensive end. He's a big guy and he's hard to move around. But what I was noticing was something that Hassan Whiteside was doing, and I hope that DeAndre Ayton goes back and watches this tape and does one does two things. One, learn this move that I'm about to explain, and two, learn how to defend against it when you're playing against certain guys like Whiteside who are professional rebounders. What Whiteside would do is he would hang out underneath the basket out on the baseline to where he's not even in the play because he knows the play's drawn up for somebody to shoot a three, so he just hangs out underneath, and once the shooter starts to – get in position to shoot, he would run at DeAndre Ayton, turn around, shove his ass into his hip, and push him off of his spot underneath the basket. So if a miss happened, DeAndre Ayton, between DeAndre Ayton and the ball was Hassan Whiteside, and that's how he was getting his offensive rebounds. And I was watching that. He did it like two or three plays in a row. I was like, oh, my God, dude. Like That's what DA needs to do on some situations when he thinks that he's not going to get an opportunity to touch the ball on the offensive end. It set himself up in a good position to get an offensive rebound if it, if it uh, actually – is a miss for the Phoenix Suns, you know, and he didn't get DA didn't get his first rebound until about 11 minutes into the game. So, I mean, it was just, it, the, their rebounding was really frustrating. You nailed it, man. It felt like, yeah, felt like those old Suns teams that just couldn't get boards. And just, you know, the way Aiden wasn't able, he's, he's always on the outside looking in on those rebounds. He's tipping, he's trying to tip it out of, he does, he has a lot of over the backs, a lot of things that aren't yes. really called. And then a lot of um, fouls that are being called against him are not against him. He's just like complaining, but I'm like, Aiden, that is a foul. And I'm like, Aiden, that's, that's not a foul. You know what I mean? So I really think the accountability, not for him, but I think maybe more for him or something with Chris Paul being on the floor where it's just like, Hey, I got to grab this board to give it back to Chris Paul to set up the offense. If I don't get it, he's going to be pissed. That's just me thinking that, but Mm -hmm. because it doesn't make sense how it was never an issue. And then now tonight in the last game too, it was just, it's, it's hard for the Suns to get any stops or a second chance or they're giving up so many second chances to these teams. It's, out of the ordinary. I don't Well, and the, and the Pelicans too, three games ago. I mean, that's a team that did a good job out rebounding yeah, the Suns. Yeah. The Suns, you know, they blew them out in the last, you know, f- five minutes of the game. But up until that point, they were having a hard time. Uh, Coach Fallen Founder says it in the chat. He says, DA does this, uh, or he, DA does that when he does that sink. I'm, I can't read. Oh, I'm fun. so pissed. I can't read. I'm like, it, it, it's tough trying to like <laughs> be chippy after a loss. Yeah. And you're just like, you're like, well, let's look at the bright side, guys. And I'm just like, I'm like, God damn it. I hate the jazz. Uh, but Coach yeah. Colin Fallen Founder makes a good point where essentially he says that DA does this thing where he he sinks to the low post away from the ball on offense. He takes himself out of a play besides a rebound. You know, I think that we've seen that plenty of times. And a lot of things that we're referencing happen with regularity for the Suns. Uh, but when you when you win, it's not a big deal. When you lose, it's magnified. And that's definitely, you know, what's going to be happening in the majority of our conversations on this podcast today is, you know, I'll, I'll preface everything that we were about to say with, we understand we're still okay. We're 49 and 12, okay? We're still five and a half games up on the, the Warriors. The Warriors play the Dallas Mavericks tonight. That'll be an interesting watch and a good game because the Mavericks are really hot right now. And the Warriors, too, are floundering without Draymond Green. So it's like, it's not the end of the world. But when you have these losses and you analyze specific parts of the Phoenix Suns game, you know, these are things that we're, we're noticing as fans because without CP3, we don't want these little one-offs to become trends. The The rebounding thing is slowly becoming a trend for the Phoenix Suns. You know, you mentioned it uh, in the last game against the, uh, who did we play the last game? Jeez, who did we freaking play last I game? I wasn't on the pod, Dude. so. I oh don't. my gosh, 300. They lost to, oh my God, hold on a second. <laughs> it's God. just one of those days, dude. Uh, 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 Pelic- Pelicans. It was, yeah, it was the Pelicans. So yeah. you look we at the Pelicans. <laughs> yeah, you look at the Pelicans game. I met the OKC game before that. I, mean, oh, I, okay, I apologize okay. for misspeaking there. Uh, but you look at the total rebounds against the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Phoenix Suns had 43. The Thunder had 42. In the last game, the Phoenix Suns had a total of 37 to 53 for new orleans so it's it's nothing to to scoff at 
and it's nothing to get overly analytically frustrated with yet, but the rebounding is slowly becoming an issue. And again, I just like JaVale just hasn't been playing good the past couple games. Can we agree to that? Yeah, no, he's been pretty terrible. Pretty <laughs> awful, mean, man. Um, I don't know where you start with him because he he was always such a sure thing, right? But then also, you know, I think we were very spoiled early in the season with him. You think that's what it is? We were very, very spoiled because he's never really played, especially when we played against him in the past. I don't remember him being on the team and being that like valuable for that yeah. long of a duration during a season. So I think we were really spoiled earlier in the season with him. And he's just been, he's been bad. He's been trying to do the one-on-one stuff still where he's handling the ball a little bit too much. He's probably doing a little bit too much because Chris Paul's out and players might think they can do more or they have to do more because he's out. Mm-hmm. So that might have something to do with it too. Um, he's just like DeAndre Aiden, and someone mentioned it in the pot or in the uh, the comments too, where it's team rebounding. Yeah, Gary Pinky said, uh, team rebounding, Matthew. He's oh, he's talking about Aiden. He was pulled out of the paint, and then the opposing C's get rebounds over guards and wings. So it is team rebounding, it's always been that way. Mm-hmm. And I think even McGee's a guy that's not in the right position either to grab the boards or even you know, help defense. He got dunked on again today. So I just, I don't know, man, a lot of bad stuff's going on with him. So I hope he, and Biombo too was mentioned. It's like, where is Biombo ever going to like come back in and try to well, make a that's, difference for this team? That's my question, you know, cause again, the, if you look overall, the, the Phoenix uh, Suns average 46 rebounds a game, that's seventh best in the league. Okay. And they give up, 44.6, which is 16th in the league. So, I mean, they are what you would define as a good rebounding team. Uh, just these last three games, it hasn't been consistent. We've Obviously, we've gone against some good rebounders, but at the same time, it's like it's not consistent. And it starts with JaVale McGee, in my humble opinion. 13 minutes played this game. He was a, a worst negative 20. And you saw it at the, you know, in the, in the second quarter and at the end of the third quarter, when the uh, Utah Jazz went on those big runs, it's when McGee, when JaVale McGee was out there and he just wasn't effective. It's like his, his floppiness, if you will, his fluidity as a center is not uh, something that's physical. And this was a team that has physical rebounders. And I'm not saying that Bismack Biombo could come in there and be a physical rebounder, but at least he's not going to handle the ball as much as JaVale McGee. And maybe it's time to revisit providing Bismack Biombo an opportunity for some minutes. Uh, you know, he, he too is not a physical rebounder, but what we've seen from uh, JaVale McGee over these past three games just hasn't been it. And that's what you need more than anything. What's been killing the Suns over the, you know, since Chris Paul has been gone is not the starters. It's not the fact that the starters have to pick up the slack where Devin book or where, where Chris Paul is is gone and Devin Booker is you know having to carry this team so much that he's so tired. Our second team is gone completely yeah. and utterly uh void. I mean 11 points they had in this game. I think it was to 43 for the Jazz. You know, you look at the last game, it was the same thing. The 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 second team's just not doing it, man. No, they're not. Uh, Sunders Dunks actually said too. McGee and Craig were bad. Craig's been since his first game. This is with funny. The Suns. I wrote this in my notes. Hold on. Yeah, let me do, let he, me do the drop for him. <laughs> so. Glad you start on this point because I got plenty to say on this one. Yeah, he's been pretty terrible. Um, I know like last game um, against the Pelicans, he came down hard on his knee, he tweaked it or whatever. I don't think that any, that's bothering him at all. There's something to do with like. Is it Chris Paul's fault again? I'm just joking. No, he's gone. no I'm joking. All right. No, I, I honestly think that uh, it's kind of like we now going through my head when I'm watching him. I'm like, so the reason we traded for him is what? You know what I mean? I love having him back. But right now he's just struggling from he's shooting, jacking up threes. And I'm thinking to myself, too. I'm like, is he a good three point shooter? Like, is he a guy that they're leaving wide open on purpose? Like, yeah, like they are. And he's not making anything. He's not helping the team offensively. Defensively, he's fine. But even last game against the Pels, he's like overzealous a lot on defense where he's flying by guys. He's not playing on-ball defense as well as he was last year. And he's not really the guy that's like making those unique plays that kind of help the Suns get back into games and be that energy guy. Ever since the first game, he's just been way off, dude. And I want to hear your take too because – I don't know what it is. Like, I can't really explain the rebounding. I can't really explain the way Torrey Craig's been playing. Like, I'm just, we're not used to this, right? 
as Suns fans. So, I mean, what are you? What are your thoughts on them? Yeah, I mean, I wrote it in my notes as well. Something's wrong with the juice right now. And you mentioned three-point shooting. On his career, he's a 32.9% three-point shooter. Yeah. So he's never been a crazy great three-point shooter. But we definitely remember him contributing last year during the, the Suns playoff run hitting some timely threes uh, since that first game. And, and again, you know, the first game back was against Orlando. He was six for nine from the field. He had 14 points. Uh, he was two for three from deep since then, not including today where he was zero for three from the field. He's scoring 3.5 points per game in 20 minutes played. He's shooting 15.4% from three and 26.3% overall. Tory Craig is, it has become a a the grand canon of this offense. He's non-existent and he's not playing effectively enough on defense because I was watching him today defensively mm-hmm. too. Because once I know I was thinking about it after the past couple of games, I'm like, you know what? Tory Craig is like, we got really hyped when we got him back. Obviously, the familiarity factor helps. He comes out, he scores that 14 points in the first game. That was fantastic. But since then, I had like we haven't dropped the juice uh drop on this podcast. And I, I was thinking about that when this game started. And then he came out and he like he he was wide open, wide the fuck open, and just bricks a three bad. I was just like, you know, I'm gonna watch him on both sides and both sides. Now, granted, it's a little bit tougher to judge him defensively tonight because he's coming off a game where it sounds like he twisted his knee a little bit. There was yeah. a little bit of an injury scare, so obviously he's gonna play gingerly on that, and he's gonna provide us minutes because he's a warrior and he wants to help this team. But he just seems a step slower than the opposition. He's not doing anything on defense that necessarily is saying, hey, this guy uh, deserves to be out there. I I don't know if I want to go all the way to say, hey, Ish Wainwright needs to start getting some of these minutes because <laughs> at least he's bringing the energy and bringing the hustle because Torrey Craig just kind of looks like since that first game with the Phoenix Suns coming back, he's kind of just going through the motions, mm-hmm. and I don't like it. He needs to get rid of number zero. That's my maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Um, He might change his number. So I don't know. I think that uh, the thing is, I don't know. I was, so I was going to talk about Holiday too, and how he's been probably the better guy, like off the bench, obviously helping the Suns. And but even Craig himself, I think that there's a there's opportunity for him to to improve. But right now he's just he's kind of like lost in a way. I don't know if it's a body language either. He just he looks kind of like just like I'm not really in the mood to do shit it kind of in a way but yeah that's just me reading too much into it and then you look at like who we traded away to for him and I don't want to do that. and even if the Suns won today like this is a tough matchup there's still a lot of negatives going into a win mm-hmm. so we would have pointed this stuff out and of course you don't want to look at like Jalen Smith how he got like 16 points uh six boards or whatever last game on Friday and contributing to that Indiana Pacers team it's like yeah. you're kind of like what's so are we not gonna play Wayne Wright and you brought up Wayne Wright Wainwright was the energy guy. He actually had a few good games before he just stopped playing. So that's the before thing that we got Monty Tory did. Craig. Yeah, that's the thing that Monty does sometimes. Like we love him as a coach, but he'll a guy that's hot like a Biombo. He'll just not play them. It's like okay, is it a matchup thing? Like have they asked him in post game interviews? I haven't really heard a whole lot of Biombo talk. If he were to answer that at all, why he's not mm. playing Biombo? Because I would love to hear it. Yeah, it'd be an interesting answer because again, Javale McGee. As much as we love him for. The, the things that he does effectively, when he misses, he misses bad. And mm. Hassan Whiteside fucking owned him in this game. And so did Rudy Gobert, you know, because in the first half he was matching up against Whiteside. The second half he spent a lot of minutes against Gobert. And Gobert kind of did whatever he wanted. Now, granted, I can't stand Gobert at all. He, oh, yeah. He, he's one of those guys who he does a lot of that flailing shit. You know, and even on that play that Monty challenged, like, I don't think he was fouled. I really don't. Like, like oh, it was on Cam Johnson. It's like, yeah, Cam mm. Johnson. You can't do that, though, right? Like, as a, if you're, they, they called it on Booker, right? So either yeah. it's a, either it's not a foul on Booker or it is. I thought they couldn't change the call to like no, someone they, else was a foul. Oh, no, I'll never forget. It, it was the NBA Finals with uh, LeBron James and the Warriors. Probably, you know, the the fourth or the third iteration of that four consecutive NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. And there was one play where, uh, they stopped and they reviewed a charge and they looked at it forever and they actually changed the call to something completely different. Uh, but it's not what they initially were challenged. I'm like, oh, and that's where I had that moment you just had. Like I had yeah, that, you know, I, I was like, well, that. you can change the call. Yeah, I remember it's that, like, you know, man. we were like, so pissed. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah, we were pissed. We're just like, come on, this is this is bogus. So, you know, again, there's something's got to be done with this second team unit right now. And again, you can't put this one on Chris Paul. The one thing I think that actually really hurts the second team is simply the fact that they are without probably 
their best score. Lights, Cameron, action. Cam Johnson's moved into the to the starting lineup with the absence of Chris Paul, and he's lighting it up, and he's playing fantastic. But when he leaves the court and that whole uh, first team leaves the court, you're left with yeah. Aaron Holiday, JaVale McGee, Landry Shamit, and uh, Torrey Craig. None of them are really true scores. I, I would say that, you know, and Landry Shamit should be. Let me start there. Landry Shamit should be. He went 0 for one in this one. game or, or, or yeah i'm sorry i'm sorry he went what yeah. One, one, what yeah over one, one yeah and he hit like a couple free throws yeah i mean yeah he's the guy who needs to be scoring and he's not even taking fucking shots now it's like it's one thing i can be pissed off about landry shamit for shooting and missing now he's just not even taking shots and you need those guys to shoot the ball and aaron holiday is a scorer but he was two for nine from the field in this one because he was trying to carry the offense the he was he was doing everything he could to try to get open. None of the guys were really cutting for him. You don't have Cam Johnson cutting, come you know, and or getting open for three to assist him and take the offensive pressure off of him. And that's why you only score eleven points from. And and the crazy thing is the Phoenix Suns scored one hundred fourteen points in this game, and only eleven came from the bench. That's where the opportunity Tough. lies, in my opinion. Mikael Bridges looked great on the on the uh, the first team. You know, he was five for seven from the field. We don't rely on him a ton for offense, but he gave us some. Uh, Jay Crowder was four for eight from three in this game. DeAndre Ayton, obviously, we'll talk about him momentarily, how great he looked. But Cameron Johnson looked fantastic as a member of the first team unit, going 7-11 from the field, four for six uh, from deep, and was five for five from the free throw line as well. He also dished out some you know, five assists, including two no-look assists. Uh, Cameron Johnson looked fantastic and continues to look fantastic with the first team unit. It's the fact that, there is no uh, secondary or primary score off of that second team unit that's hurting the Suns right now. Yeah, and like lucky for him, he's on the first team unit. He'd be like, "What's up with the bench?" You know, now he can go to dinner like, parties on, with the. He can go. Yeah, it's like, come on, like I'm hanging out with the starters now, dude. You guys got to pick it up. Uh, so he has that little edge, but you know, Cam is awesome, obviously. But the thing is, like. I love him handling the ball and it's going to be so fun because next year, and I always do this. I always look forward to like next year and things that they're going to improve on like four when years he, from now. Yeah. When Cam, when he does a dribble drive and he like dribbles around in circles, you know, you always takes like the long way around people. You, you notice that. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait for him to like implement a little bit of moves in there, a little stop and go a little Ooh. behind the back, you know, dribbles. Um, but he's setting up his teammates too. He's doing everything on offense. It's like really kind of under the radar, right? He's always setting up someone with a nice sweet pass under the basket almost every game um but what he's doing off the right now starting it's gonna be weird right i mean when chris paul comes back you just have to throw him back on the bench just because how bad the bench is and when, Dude, we're talking when, about when campaign comes back you throw him back on the bench. yeah exactly yeah yep i would definitely do that um because they need it and Shamit, that is very frustrating he's not there's no confidence there to even to jack up a shot it's like i don't yeah. understand that at all it's like and if if you do go two for seven, it's fine, dude, because we need you to actually get your confidence. Even though we keep throwing, even when Flex said we agreed, it's like, yeah, yeah I'm done with Sham. We still need you to actually try because Booker playing the 40 minutes against tonight, that's going to always be an issue, I feel like, from now on. And I think he came in like way too early in the fourth quarter. It was like nine minutes left yeah. in the game. And, and, yeah. and he came back. Yeah. yeah. And we were only down by like three points. And I was thinking yeah. to myself right when that timeout was called or it was like a stoppage of play. I'm like, please do not bring those guys back in right now because it's only a three point game. It doesn't, as long as we keep it close by like five, six or seven points, we'll be fine. You even saw that the last minute, we still almost tied the game. We we're down by nine points or whatever. So they need to get some more rest in them. I don't understand. I know these guys aren't really doing well offensively, and I think uh, Aaron Holiday kind of is hitting his ceiling already, right, as an offensive player for mm-hmm. the Suns. He's awesome. I love what he does, but he can only do so much. And when he has to be asked to do more, then that's when he's going to be worse on offense because it's going to be a lot for him to deal with to carry that second team with Cameron Johnson starting right now. So I just there's a whole lot of questions right there, right? There's a whole lot of things that are going through our minds right now as Suns fans. But I honestly think just wait till the next game against the Trailblazers to see how these things work out. Because tonight they start off really good. They start out the first quarter. It looked like, oh, same old Suns. Here we go. They just gotta finish oh, yeah. this next time and maybe get some extra rest for Booker. Well, and again, it comes it comes down to the fact that once they started subbing in the second team guys, they started playing like crap, you know, and they the yeah. defense isn't there, you know, because again. 
the, the identity of that second team unit is non-existent right now. And it makes sense, right? I mean, they do have a ton of players out. So I understand why it's, it's choppy, if you will. I mean, the, the Suns are hurting. And the fact that we lost by four to the fourth best team uh, in the rec- record-wise in the Western Conference and offensively yeah. the best team in the NBA. You know, off they, this is the best offensive team in the NBA. You know, it is admirable that the Suns put up such a fight. It goes to, goes to show you that the depth is uh, something to be proud of and something to really note that the, the, the Suns are on the right track. We are so hampered right now. You know, to the point where Dem Booker has to play 40 minutes because he's the primary ball hand. It's like cam we need campaign back. We or we need production from Landry Shaman. Because Aaron Holiday, as you said, I think you said it very correctly too. He's hit his ceiling offensively. Like we know what he is. It's a good addition to this team. It's definitely somebody who is uh and has the capability to provide some uh assistance, but he's not somebody who can carry this team for stretches at a time when we need him to, whereas campaign can do that. And in theory, Landry Shamit should have been able to do that. Uh, none of, none of which occurred. So again, knowing that CP three is going to be out for quite some time, the second team unit really needs to be kind of the area of focus for the Phoenix suns, because that's where they're, that's where they're losing these games right now. It's not the first team unit. When you look at the fact that Devin Booker put in 30, you had DA and Cameron Johnson at 23, Jay Crowder at 16 and Mikhail Bridges had 11. You get any kind of production off of your, from your second team, you, you win this game because you get 113 or 103 points from your first team units. You should win the game. But if your second team unit is as completely non-existent as they were today, uh, you're, you're going to get losses. So they've got to really start to take a look at how they can be productive or just get healthy sons, get healthy. Watch. Now, I know this is going to be a great topic. I'm sure Twitter is blowing up all about the fact that DeAndre Ayton, you know, in the first half ended with a total of 17 points on eight of 10 shooting. He only scored six more points and took five more shots the remainder of the game. Uh, Tell me what you saw from DA and how pissed off, how pissed off are you, Matthew, that the Phoenix Suns didn't continue to feed the beast? Oh, I mean, this is just something we're used to. This is something we talked about last year before the playoffs, and they kind of fixed it going into the playoffs where they kept DA more involved as the games went along. Um, I expected it. I never expect anymore for this to be like a 30-point game from DA just because either two things happen where they go away from him or else DA doesn't really ask for the ball. I really liked tonight, though, when DA was getting the ball, he was actually spacing himself from the defender a lot and just hitting Mm -hmm. those wide-open jump shots. And they were kind of giving him space, but he was making himself available for the, the whoever had the ball, the ball handler, whatever, whatever you call that guy, the ball handler, <laughs> the guy with the ball, the guy with the ball. Uh, so he was doing that. So it made it easy for them to find him. And then he was just he's so good. He's so efficient. Even that three he hit tonight, it just looked natural. It even looked like D.A. It just looked like a straight up shooter out there shooting the three, you know, wide open. Uh, so the more he actually is making himself available for his teammates to find him. It makes it easier for everybody and how efficient he is. It's like, how can you not hit that guy when he's right there, standing right there, two, three feet away from the defender? She's just knock it down right in front of their face. And it should always continue. It should always be a thing to where he can get those good looks, right? Mm-hmm. I think it just has to be. And it's just, I don't know. It's I'm kind of lost with the whole thing where this is still a thing. I mean, sometimes it's DA still to where he's posting up way too deep in the passes. If he's going to get a lob pass, he's going to tipped away. I still yeah. see that sometimes. Sometimes I see where Booker just misses him. Booker's a little bit slower as a playmaker. He doesn't see stuff like Chris Paul does. Mm-hmm. He takes forever sometimes to get the ball moved around. And that's just, then that's Booker's thing. That's that's the other players. So it's always both. But then the thing is, when DA starts out that hot, and he's like playing great defense against Gobert early in the game where you know, he was done with Goldberry. He's like, I'm done with this dude. Remember, like, it was two block yeah. shots in a row. He's like, I'm done with you. And then yeah. it kind of just ended, it ended right there. It was like that defense kind of just ended on Gobert. And I know there was a lot of switches. DA was getting pulled out. So that's why the rebounding kind of sucked too. But it just, it's so inconsistent with the way he is game in and game out where you think you're just going to get this awesome DA game. And I just don't believe in it anymore. And it's, it's enough. It looks good on the box, in the box score, but we need him to really help Booker down 
the line down towards the end of the game. But we need him and Booker to be those two that are unstoppable. And the only way to do that is to continue to give him the ball and continue to work him in the offense. I completely agree. And I knew at halftime when he had 17 points that he would end with under 30. I just knew it. I'm like, okay, 13 points in the second half. I'm like, there's no way it happens because – Two things start to happen. One, the, stu- the sun stopped feeding him. But two, he gets comfortable with the sun stop feeding him. That's the issue with DA yes. that frustrates me. You know, because again, I'm okay with him going out there and, and averaging 16 and 12 or whatever and being effective on defense, rebounding the ball, obviously, for the 12 rebounds and being the tertiary option for this Phoenix Suns team. But with Chris Paul out, he needs to be more aggressive. And it looked like he was more aggressive in this game. Again, that first half, he was demanding the ball. When you got when he got it, as you mentioned, there was no hesitation on his jumpers, which just looks so crisp, so clean. He has such a great offensive repertoire. Hell, he even hit a three in this game. But I yeah. just knew that his lack of aggressiveness when the Suns need it to be, when he like we need him to go and demand the ball. Rudy Gobert, Gobert is demanding the ball. Rudy Gobert is making himself available and just saying, just get it down here to me. I'm going to make something happen. You know, whether it's getting somebody in foul trouble or allowing the defense to collapse on him and finding a wide open three point shooter, which they found plenty of those. I mean, the team ended by going 17 of 40 from beyond the arc, 42.5% for the Utah jazz in this game. But ultimately I knew that I'm like, DA is not going to demand the ball enough to where he's going to be effective in that second half. The third quarter, he took one shot. The fourth quarter, they started getting him the ball a little bit, and he started hitting it. And you're like, yeah, why don't you doing this every fucking time? You need those games. Like, this This could have been a game where DA goes for 40 easy. It could have been. He he got whatever he wanted. Was he from the from the mid-range? I will say it's a, it was a little bit harder for him to navigate the interior, yeah. which makes sense. You have Rudy Gobert. But that does so much for the team. If he gets the ball and he turns and he's looking to shoot, you're going to draw Gobert to him because, or Whiteside, because he was hitting that shot effectively. And I noticed in the third quarter, it was like two or three times where they'd pass the ball to him at the top of the key, and he would just start looking, doing this the, the, the typical DA thing, start looking for the next guy to yeah. pass it to. It's like, dude, turn around, look at the look at the rim for a second, do a pump fake, and guess what? You're going to open up somebody. You'll get Mikael Bridges cutting or Cam Johnson cutting behind the the uh, uh, Gobert or Whiteside who is coming to defend you. But he's just looking to pass. It's passive DA and like that mode. And 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 again, he's playing fantastic offensively. He is, but he doesn't want to be aggressive ever. And like now, like they need to be in that locker room right now. Chris Paul needs to go up to him and be like, "Listen, dude." Ask for the fucking rock. The guys will give it to you. You have to ask for that rock. Because if not, mm-hmm. they're going to try to run different states of offense. But he's got to be a little bit more aggressive. And that that's kind of my, my DA thing. Again, I thought he played a great game. 11 for 15 from the field. You know, the challenge was the only, only the seven rebounds because he was getting pushed around as he typically does. He's not the biggest center. He's six foot 11, you know, seven feet yeah. on a good day. So it's like when you're going against these behemoths that the Jazz have and Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside, I get it. The other thing that kind of frustrated me, and I, I was thinking about this, is the fact that you looked at Rudy Gobert uh, ended with a total of one personal foul. Okay? And Hassan Whiteside had one personal foul. What that tells me is the Phoenix Suns didn't do a good job of putting them in foul trouble. That's what the cerebral teams do, and that's something that if Chris Paul was on this team right now playing, they would be focused on trying to get those big guys who are hurt. It's like that; those guys are killing us on the boards. Okay, let's go attack them, get them in foul trouble, get their ass on the bench. And I, I mm-hmm. noticed that didn't that that wasn't happening at all. No, it's zero zero free throw attempts for DA. I think that's just yeah. the thing that I think we even talked about it last year. It's like free throws and all that, but it's just never been the Suns' thing to really get to the line as much as like a normal team would. Because a lot of teams like they focus on that early in the game. I don't think the Suns ever really do until they like absolutely have to when they know like their their offense is just sputtering they like okay let's try to get to the line let's try to get them mm-hmm. into you know the, the fifth team foul to get to the bonus stuff like that they'll do that but getting to the line is just like what the suns don't do and that's why gobert has the one foul that's why he can do whatever he wants all game and it's only what was it 16 points yeah 16 points from him today from gobert yeah i think that uh yeah 16 points it's it's good but you just notice him all game though like when da was a problem early in the game and to the jazz when he was an issue to them it's like that should just keep up the whole game. Like you should notice it throughout. Like it's like, oh, DA's coming back and shit. 
Like that should be what it is for the Jazz. Like, fuck yeah, Da's coming back in because I'm not saying Gobert was that great tonight, but he was still annoying. It's like he's like, oh damn, he's still out there. Like, it's just gonna be tough to grab a board. You know what I mean? You just mm-hmm. you notice like the little things that he's con- constantly being a pesk about. Are a pest about and a pesk is a pesk a word? He's, he's being a pest. He's definitely <laughs> pesky. pesky. Okay, yeah, there you go. Um, so that's what I just want Da to be, you know. And he can. It's just like you said, he gets comfortable, and that's why this team will lose games like this because they get comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then that's what Chris Paul brings to this team. He doesn't let them get comfortable ever. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, again, you look at the fact that second chance points, the Jazz had twenty seven to the Suns fourteen. So again, you know, that's 13 extra points right there. They outshot us from the perimeter and they scored 38 points in that third quarter. You know, the mm-hmm. all all of those factors plus the fact that the bench didn't play well equate to a loss for the Phoenix Suns. And uh is it frustrating of course, but you have to always also see the other side of this. You know, l- look at the Jazz, okay? You saw that he was mic'd up for the ABC game today, right? And by the way, real quick, ABC games like remember growing up how these used to be like on uh nbc the sunday yeah. afternoon like yes. nba on nbc games like like that's what this game was man like this was yeah you know i was excited for this game it's a mid-afternoon game all the eyes are on us and somebody said in the chat earlier like the suns have now lost like six consecutive games when it's like uh nba on abc going back to like the oh, finals really? and, like next week we're playing <laughs> On Sunday, same kind of time slot against the Bucks in Milwaukee. So it's just like, who doggy? But uh, Donovan Mitchell was mic'd up for this one. He said it to the referee. He's like, it's a playoff game today. Like, that's how they came into this game approaching it. I felt like the Suns mm-hmm. did as well. And again, just poor execution at the end with Jay Crowder. And, and everything we talked about, it. you know, again, we only lost by four points. Our bench didn't do shit. D.A., uh, wasn't nearly aggressive in uh, enough in the second half, nor did the team go ahead and try to feed him. You know, all Landry Shaman only shot the ball one time. Torrey Craig played like shit again, and we only lost by four to the Jazz. So it's like I'm not gonna, you know, go and say yeah. the the season's ending, blow it up. The, the 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 team sucks now. I will say we're gonna fall right back off of the national uh, media's radar, and I'm actually okay with it. You know. Of course, we weren't. Never, very, we never really were. It, yeah, we weren't there to begin with. So <laughs> yeah, the only like, never really. Now thing. it's just going to be all the you know. Well, the Phoenix Suns, you know, they yeah. suck. They, they can't they, do it without Chris Paul. It's like, oh, of course, we're missing our be- our MVP player. Like MVP player, we're missing our MVP of the team, dude. Like, of course, we're not going to be as good. Yeah, you know, and and Shocking. this is a team that was completely healthy, you know, because if you think back to the last time that we played them, uh, they didn't have. I, I don't think Gobert played, if I remember correctly. Uh, they didn't have Mitchell as well in one of the matchups. I mean, this was the. Yeah, I remember Mitchell was gone. Yeah. One. Yeah. So, I mean, we beat them in the two other matchups. Uh, they, it was that back to back where it was a home and home one on the 24th. And then we go to Utah on the 26th. And I mean, we beat them uh, both. So, I mean, again, this is one that they wanted, obviously, more than the Suns did. They were locked in. Uh, how annoying is Jordan Clarkson? Oh, he's annoying. <laughs> I mean, he's Very he's that guy. He's going to hit the three when you don't want them to hit the three. You know, of course, you don't want anyone to score ever, but he always hits like the most important threes. But I do love it. He always has a couple air balls a game. He does not care. He just will chuck them up there and get a couple air balls. But that's not annoying. But when he's hitting the threes, when the Suns are trying to make a run, that is completely annoying and I can't stand it. <laughs> Yes, and it's it's his effectiveness, you know. I mean, he's done that against the Suns numerous times and against multiple teams in the NBA. Clearly, he was the sixth man of the year last year, but he just yeah, man, he's everything Landry Shamit should be. God damn it, <laughs> you know, just God shoot unconscious, it. doesn't care, and makes them. <laughs> you know, that'd be that'd be the nice thing to to have him make some of them. So, um, let's see here. Anything else you have in your notes to talk uh, about before we give out the jam star? Let me check. No, I think we covered it all, dude. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, just a reminder that even though the sun's lost, you can still give us a thumbs up if you're watching along live on YouTube. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, head over to YouTube and give us a thumbs up. And if you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Matthew, who is your jam star of the game? um man this is actually a tough one i'll probably give it to booker he still kept us in the game tonight i think he had um 
a few passes that were just i mean jay crowder pass was the worst pass i've ever seen and i don't know if booker really had a chance <laughs> that to get was that one. so bad like i don't know if booker was, had a chance even no, Biombo wouldn't no one on the team or... had a chance to get that it's like it's like he started to throw it and halfway through he's like oh shit and he just kept throwing yeah it. no i know i know uh so i'm gonna give it to him i just he hit some big shots in clutch time he kept us close i mean it's there and someone even said in the chat too how this game was a playoff game for the jazz but the way the Suns are right now, they are still trying to figure themselves out without Chris Paul. So it's not like they came into this game like the Milwaukee game. That was a mother. That was a playoff game right there. That was a playoff environment tonight. Big time. The Suns fans were like, they left. Did you see the empty seats? I didn't. With like two minutes left. Yeah, I was like, oh, how dude. are they're the worst fans ever? Sometimes. Sometimes I'm just, <laughs> I can't stand them. I'm like, you're leaving. It's a Sunday, and this game's not even over yet, dude. There's two minutes left. They're down by like seven. All right. It's what like you got? It's, well, and we're like we're hitting that point almost and we remember this you know for those of you who are around for the seven seconds or less era obviously social media wasn't nearly as big as it is now but even back then like facebook was kind of around uh you you can tell you're getting the diluted fan base when you're starting to see some very casuals on your timeline on like facebook posting that they're at the suns game i'm like what are you doing at the suns game you couldn't probably name two players like so th- those are the people who are like, I want to get out for the parking reasons. Like, yeah, when when a team's good, obviously it becomes the scene and the scene typically will bring out a lot of casuals. It'll be like you and me and in, in a row and then like 10 people who are just like, I'm here for the environment. Like, it's really cool. It's a place to be seen. Like, so that's me. yeah, that, that well, that's typically you. So uh, but again, it's disappointing that anybody left early. It's, it, that was a great mm-hmm. game. Um, I'm going to give my my jam star to the cam star cam johnson man he was unbelievable uh hubie brown has a crush on this guy man yeah he does he was talking about him the whole game on how great he was and how how good he's looking out there on the court and the <laughs> no look passes and i was just like man fanboy over here i'm like is that matthew so, i know just- and i have a crush on hubie brown so kind of <laughs> you know so. you know so i mean uh yeah i just i think that he Love was triangle. he he was consistent the fact that the fact that he plays with no emotion is still just it's it's unbelievable. I love that. You know, I do too. I I, I like Mikhail a lot, and he's just his Mikhail's emotion is just like different now. He's just yeah. out there, and but Cam's still the same man. Cam just he he froze once with the three, and then he just ran right back down the court, played defense. Yeah, that like was he made it. a he, three and he froze to look at it and, then, and just ran and then right he turned around, sprinted. I know, that's and, why I knew this guy would be good. And again, I think that's my challenge with the Utah Jazz is they're the anti-Cam Johnson. Like every shot, they got to yell and scream. You know, I get it. It's the passion of the game. It's the same. It's like the same argument in baseball, right? Like everybody Mm. gets frustrated if Jose Batista hits like a walk-off home run. They're like, he's he's one up in the game. It's like, no, man, you should celebrate. You should have a good time. Uh, But the problem I have in doing that in basketball, it's like if you're yelling and screaming like Donovan Mitchell does after he hits a three and it's like the second quarter, it's like, come on man like you can you like do that shit at the end of the game like jose jose bautista does you know don't do that after just hitting a three like if you had a full quarter yeah sure i, I don't know i just it pisses me off because it was against us and we also have a team that doesn't necessarily do that um, as much but you're right like mikhail bridges definitely celebrates and he's very memeable deandre and just complains the whole time as does devin booker he complains for the worst calls i'm like da that's not anything like just get back yeah he, he needs to work on his ref i don't they coach ref etiquette. That, right they coach yeah they 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 have to have someone coach that stuff because he needs to get better at that no without without a doubt because you're right like he'll he'll turn to the ref he'll turn he'll shoot like a, yeah. a floater he'll miss it and he'll turn to the refs like dude no one was on you you just fucking missed that He's just like, wow. Yeah, so no, I agree. Teach him some referee etiquette. So <laughs> uh, next up for the Phoenix Suns, Wednesday is the next game. And when we play the Portland Trailblazers at home, uh, Matthew, thoughts on the Portland Trailblazers? You know, not a whole lot of thoughts. It'd be interesting to see this team without CJ, right? Yeah. I just, I don't know. It should be, a, hopefully it's a win, man. Hopefully the Suns can be two and two now without Chris Paul. Um, because- we got to get that 50, man. We yeah, we just got to get out of the way. It's kind of like um, you know, when a hitter is trying to hit like what? What's a big yeah? Thing? There's like what's like, a big like, thing in baseball when they try like to reach, Jeter's like, going for his 100th home run or something. But he, I was gonna say that, but he does it with ease. Jeter always got everything done, right? He, <laughs> yeah, he always he never did right on right on he, cue. He did. It's like a movie with that guy. But yeah. I just I don't think they're thinking about the 50th win. I think they're just looking for another win, right? And this is a good time to get another win right here. 
Absolutely. I think that, you know, Anthony Simons has been playing really well with the subtraction of CJ McCollum. Obviously, Dame Lillard isn't playing. Uh, Josh Hart's played in four games for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, he started all four games and he's averaging 21 points. So he's definitely being uh, productive for that team. You know, the, the one thing that scares me about this team, obviously, is the fact that they just have nothing to lose, right? They're a team that likes to shoot the three yeah. and they're a team that has nothing to lose. So, they're going to come out like every team is going to come out, see the Suns are weakened and try to beat them. You know, I mean, it's not like to say that teams don't normally try to beat the Suns, but this is a team that carries with them the best record in the NBA. And it's a good measuring stick for where you are at as a team. So they're going to be like the Oklahoma City Thunder and like the New Orleans Pelicans before playing the Jazz. They're a team that. Uh, is young, pesky, and athletic, and they're going to play. They're too stupid not to play their hearts out. Uh, whereas the Jazz is a more cerebral team, and you saw that tonight. And you know the Suns had a chance at the end because of the cerebralness. I don't know. Uh, so I'm interested. I definitely think it's a win. Um, just, just win one, Suns. I want that fiftieth. <laughs> yeah, don't lose focus the whole game, right? Don't get comfortable. Make this a big win. Go well, just show just up. Show early. up, bench. Like bench, show up. Yeah, because you're not showing up the anymore. minutes, man. I mean, if you yeah. look at what the read what the Utah Jazz had, I mean, Utah didn't have anybody over 30, but Bogdanovich was a second over 30 minutes. Donovan mm -hmm. Mitchell had 36. Everyone else was under 30 minutes mm -hmm. in this game. That, and it's because they had the their bench played. Oh my God! So 38 minutes for Mikhail, 34 minutes for Jay, 34 minutes for DeAndre, 35 for Cam, 39 for Booker, basically 40. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, Shamit with 11 minutes, like that can't, these guys, Torrey Craig and Shamit, they need to be like 15 to 20 minutes just to give them the rest. And they should be able, they should be able to get in there and play a decent game to last that long, you know, I, especially against the Trailblazers. We should be getting, you know, Aaron Holiday gave us 20 minutes. JaVale McGee, Torrey Craig, Landry Shamit, they all need to give us 20 minutes. Like that's a fact. Yes. You know, right now with CP3 out, with the team hampered as much as they are, you need your bench to play and they're getting waxed i mean javel mcgee 13 minutes a negative 20 tory craig 12 minutes a negative 15 you know aaron holiday played the 21 had negative 12 so i mean uh it's just they're getting blown out so bad that monty is forced to put devin booker and deandre Ayton back in the game at nine minutes left because he, he can't trust the team they, they're bleeding they're giving up you know the, the suns will fight and you'll, you'll sit there and you look at all the statistics and you're like damn dude i don't know how the suns are in this game like the jazz are coming yeah. from three and they're getting out rebounded yada 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 and then and then all of a sudden they bring in the second team and it's an 11-2 run for the jazz having like twice two 11-2 runs and you're like okay <laughs> no. so essentially you know a, a 24 to 4 run for them when they i mean it's just it's ridiculous you can't let that happen so the suns have until wednesday to kind of get it right if you will uh, again, the Portland Trailblazers, it's a good opportunity to get right. They're a team that currently, you know, if you look at their record, they're 25 and 35. They're 10th in the Western Conference. They, their last game, they played against, against the Golden State Warriors. They lost by 37 points. So they're, they're a team that's definitely in disarray. Uh, points per game, they're 20th in the league. Opposing points per game, they're 25th in the league. Their offensive rating is 20th in the league. Their defensive rating is 28th out of 30 in the league. And they have a net rating of negative 4.5, which is 25th best in the league. This is a team you should be able to get right with. This is a team that hopefully yeah. hopefully we hear some good news in the next couple of days relative to campaign. Because I really think that campaign's reinsurgence will move cam johnson back to that second team unit then you have that kind of consistent scoring and and uh opportunity for those guys to carry some more minutes because of the scoring and hopefully things start to reset themselves you know it's not the first time that the phoenix suns have lost two consecutive games this season i think it's the third time it's happened third it happened time. on christmas happened the you know two days after christmas so it's not the end of the world it's only 12 games that they've lost this season but yeah you know th th this one was kind of a, a, a punch in the gut if you will because the jazz are a very good team uh this also is a loss in clutch and crunch time too i mean they're now at 25 and 4 so that hurts my feelings i love that fucking i love that record of you know only three losses mm. in clutch time so yeah we we just we need the haboob back we need campaign we do and uh you know if things get a little crazy where the suns do go on a losing streak let's just say it happens um, do you think Chris Paul comes back sooner than what they really want him to? Because I know Flex I think, was talking about four to six yes. weeks, probably. Um, do you think he'll come back like at the four week mark if things no. get a little sketchy? No. no, it all depends on the league. In, in all honesty, the most important thing here for the Suns is just maintaining that number one seed. So, yes, yeah, if at any it. point, yeah, 
the Phoenix Suns get with you know a game or two above the Warriors, and there's a sense of urgency, you might see Chris Paul. But if they're you know like even if Golden State wins tonight, the Suns will hold a five game lead over them over with with 21 games left. That's like that. That's a pretty substantial amount to make up over 21 games. Now, granted, basketball a streak can happen real quick both ways. So to your point, I feel if the Phoenix Suns feel like they're at that point where the the Golden State Warriors can overtake them, you might see Chris Paul try to come back a little sooner, and I hope that he doesn't. I'm interested to see if there's any movement in the buyout market for the Phoenix Suns uh, from James Jones. There hasn't been a bunch of buyout guys thus far. I really think over this next week, you're going to start to see a lot of buyout guys start to happen. Uh, But I wonder if he's going to be just do any movement. Cause clearly we need some movement from the bench. You know, it's like, yeah, no, I know. know, I know, I know, man. Ugh. Um, but you know, I, I'm not saying a losing streak either. I'm just saying like, and even when you're the second seed, I know this is terrible, but even if it's the second seed, it's not too bad. I don't know. You said back yourself back your way into the playoffs. That might suck. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too negative now. I'm just going to stop. <laughs> Let's, I don't want to well, think about all this stuff. Well, and again, this is this is what happens after a loss. You know, that's why yeah. we have the Suns jam session, the Suns one. therapy session. We all get together and we talk about it and we go, okay, let's uh, oh, let's, let's get it on. Let's, let's, let's get it on. Let's try to figure <laughs> this out. So, um, well, four minutes left before we hit the hour mark. I guess we could do some childhood trauma if you like, Matthew. Do you like? I like. Okay. Childhood trauma. God damn it. I had a really good topic for this last night. I was talking with my wife. We were watching Once Upon oh, a dude. Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And like we were talking about something. I'm like, oh my God, that's a great childhood trauma segment. And I don't remember what it is. So, Matthew, do you have any childhood <laughs> trauma segment thoughts? Ideas? I think every time we start this, I'm always like, I need to write these things down because I don't remember. Like, I don't remember anything. Uh, so, give me one second. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Childhood trauma. Oi. You know what, dude? I'm actually drawing a blank right now. Do you have anything while I was trying to think? No. I've, oh, I, shit. I was waiting, I I was waiting on you. <laughs> Do we not you know, I, I, I like Roy says in the chat, uh, homework trauma, senior parents oh. naked trauma. I got a good. This is not oh, senior okay. parents naked, but I'm, I've right. got a funny story. I don't know if I've told you this one. So, do you do you know what a douchebag is? Yes, I do. Do you know what a douchebag looks like? No, I don't. <laughs> okay, so uh, a douchebag. <laughs> it's like this. If I remember correctly, it's like a red. It's like this red ball, and it's got like this long black tube on it, right? Okay. And like, I don't know how it's supposed to work. All I know is, <laughs> I me- I, rem- I remember, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I found this little. I thought it was like a like because what you do is you you can squeeze it, put it in water, let go, and it fills up with water. And then you could use it, and you could you could squeeze on it, it'll squirt water. So yeah. I, I found what apparently was a douchebag in my my parents bathroom and i took it out used as a squirt gun on my brothers and then like one day i was like 25 years old i was working at the uh, at the uh the bell desk as a bellman at the westin and you know my we were all sitting there bullshitting and i uh (laughs) one of my co-workers googled douchebag and i saw it i was like oh shit that's what a douchebag is like I used to fucking use as a, as a squirt gun. You just um, told him straight up. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I got okay. there's no shame in my game. Like I don't yeah. I just like I was it was like a traumatizing, you know, moment in my life because I was just like, oh my God, I used to use that as a squirt gun. That's a douchebag. That's embarrassing as oh, shit. Oh man. So sorry, little brothers. Um, sorry. Sorry, little <laughs> you know, speaking of that, so did you hear Gary Payton talk about today where I think it was yesterday, maybe he was talking about Shaq as a teammate, was one of the worst teammates or something. And really, like, I guess Shaq used to like pee in a bucket for like a week and then dump it on rookies as a prank. That's messed up, man. So it's kind of the same thing, right? Maybe I don't know. No, I mean this didn't have urine, but I mean still like uh, it's still gross. Those stuff <laughs> yeah, they were def- definitely definitely <laughs> still gross. So <laughs> Uh, if that's you want to talk, if you want to talk about like real life trauma, it's been a hell of a week. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yesterday I was driving down Cave Creek. I was going to Home Depot, and I like thirty seconds 
after an accident happened, I was like, right there was a guy in a motorcycle. It looked like he ran to the back of a tractor trailer or something. And like, he wasn't moving. That was pretty, you know, I like, it was, it was sad. And I don't know if he made it. And then today we, you and I had lunch with, you know, the family down at perfect pair down Chandler. We're coming up I 10 and we're driving. My wife's driving and looking ahead of us, there's a guy in a motorcycle and there's a car. And I, and I, I look, you know, cause I'm on the passenger side. I look forward. I see brake lights. I'm like, honey, start to slow down. It's like, Cause and the guy mm. in front of us, he he hit on the brakes. He started fishtailing, fishtail, yeah. fishtail, fishtail. Dumped the bike, rolled. You know, so he didn't hit the car in front of him. But I mean, I got out and she, my wife called nine one one, and you know, he had scraped up. Looked like his ankle was maybe pretty jacked. Jeez. But uh, you know, and then I'm sitting there. It was me and another guy behind me went and uh, uh, got out. He was a, ph- a physician, and we're sitting there, and I could smell gas, and like the bike was leaking gas. So like we sit there and we, you know lifted up but i was like damn yeah. man oh so oh there you go dude that's terrible man well i mean real life trauma life life goes on i guess huh yeah well <laughs> life's precious that's what i've learned this last week so yeah. again you know it's it, it's fun to come on here and 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 talk about basketball after a loss and be pissed off but always you know let's just go ahead and uh keep it all in perspective suns fans so uh matthew say something funny <laughs> No, nothing. What I mean, the even, mood? Though, even in the comments right now, I'm getting kind of sketchy. So we probably get the hell out of here. Yeah, I think it's that time. You know, and, and Sony was asking, she's like, what, you guys only got to do one hour? It's like, yeah, we do like an hour. Like, I don't know if I want to spend like three hours talking about a son's loss. So, uh, yeah, Co- Coach Fallon found her. There's trauma in the chat. He's yes, like, found is. the one random jazz fan who came into the chat and started, <laughs> you know, with an interesting name. So I think on that note, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the Suns Jam Session podcast. Uh, for this, the last podcast of February of 2022, we'll join you again on Wednesday, the first podcast in March of 2022 after the Suns play the Portland Trailblazers. Until then, please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us a thumbs up if you happen to be watching on YouTube. You can follow me at Darth Void on Twitter. You can follow Matthew. Matthew Lissy. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam. So that's it. We'll see you on Wednesday. Go home and love your family. And you are the next American Idol. <laughs>